Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and as we get ready to roll into the weekend, and as tomorrow is Constitution Day, we've been focusing on a few really interesting elements as it relates to the Constitution. And it's one of those things that I think we all can say, okay, we get it, we have this Constitution. Uh, sometimes I think we underappreciate uh, how vital it is and what it has actually brought to pass. Uh, it is a framework and a structure that has lifted more people out of poverty has fueled more freedom, has driven more dreams of a better life and a better world than any system of government in the history of the world. I think that is an understatement, not an overstatement. And the amazing part of all of it is it's very simple. It's only 4,440 words. It's not that many. I threw down a triple dog dare earlier in the program today. If you haven't, well, even if you have read it recently, uh, take some time today or tomorrow on Constitution Day to reread it. It really does show the structure. And it also highlights and stands out to me some of the areas where we're not living up to it. And I think that's important. I think one of the things that, that President Biden said yesterday that I thought was, was really significant uh, was this whole idea that while we've never fully lived up to the ideals in the Constitution. We've never walked away from it either. We haven't walked away from it. And so that's an important principle that, yeah, it's not perfect and we're not perfect and no elected official or employee of government is perfect. And we don't walk away from any of it. Uh, We lean in. And I think that's such an important principle for us. So as we read through it, we can often say, oh, that's an interesting thing that government should be doing. Most of the things in the Constitution are the things that government shouldn't be doing. But there are a few tasks that are spelled out that we should be very aware of. Uh, I'll just give you one example. Uh, We are going to hear a lot over the next two weeks about funding the government. And you're going to hear politicians from both sides of the political aisle cast aspersions on their opposition colleagues from the other side, saying that their intentions are evil or that they are going to shut down the government, that they're going to hurt, you know, push grandma off the cliff or that they don't care about the poor. 
and on and on it will go. And in the end, after a very angry, very noisy, very fundraising, fundraising dollar-driven exercise, all the members of Congress will come together and there will be a vote not to do their job as outlined in the Constitution, which is to fund the government one appropriations bill at a time. There's 12 of them. It's really specific. It's really easy. It's really clear. And yet over the last 46 years, only three times, only three times, has Congress done its job properly and on time. Now that's a sad state. That is not living up to the principles and the practices contained in the Constitution. And so as citizens, as voters, we should call that out. And personally, I think that every member of the United States House of Representatives and every member of the United States Senate should stay in Washington, D.C. until it all gets passed. Not a continuing resolution, because that's not helpful. That just keeps spending at a rate we can't afford. It also prevents us from having honesty and transparency and accountability in terms of what we just spent. Because you can't change it. So if you were spending, for example, on Project A, but you discover that Project A is is really failing, not effective, and so you want to do Project B, you can't do that. Because Project B hasn't been approved under the appropriations and committee processes. So we're actually inhibiting innovation. And whether that's in education, whether that's in health care, whether that's in the military, you can't change that because we're just going to keep running on last year's spending bill. And so that's an area where we the people, that's how the Constitution begins in the preamble, we the people have to hold elected officials accountable. And imagine if all of those members of Congress... All of the House is up for re-election in just a little over 50 days. If they had to stay there until they had done their current job before trying to go get re-elected to do the job again or to not do the job again, I think they'd get it done. If every member of the Senate had to stay in Washington, D.C., not out campaigning, not out raising cash, not trying to influence voters... I think they'd get it done. So as voters, we we have to demand that. We have to expect that, say, no, you know what? A continuing resolution is not the deal. The deal in the Constitution says you do the appropriations bill, you pass each of those individually, you pass it in the House, you pass it in the Senate, you send it to the president's desk, the president signs it into law, and we fund the government. It is not that hard. That is not rocket science. And amazingly, the founders had the vision. They knew if that process went through, then you can have real conversations and you can debate what programs work, what programs don't, what's an appropriate role for government, what's better in the private sector, what should faith groups do. You can tackle all kinds of issues and you can do it in front of the American people rather than behind closed doors in the dead of night on the last day of September so that you can keep the lights on in Washington while you go back to your district to run for re-election. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Do the job. Then you can leave town if you want. 
you can go run for re-election and you'll actually have something to run on. That you actually passed the budget, you did the appropriations process properly, and you sent it on to the president to sign. And then we can have this nice open debate and the American people will actually know what you're for. Not just what you're against. We talked about that earlier in the show today. We have way too many campaigns that are focused solely on what or who they are against rather than a vision of the kind of principles and policy that they are for. And we, the people, have to call that out or it'll never change. And that's the test. And so as we roll into Constitution Day tomorrow, uh, we'll end today with the preamble. You all know it, but I triple dog dare you to not just read the preamble today, read the rest of the document because it'll give you perspective in what we should be expecting out of our elected officials, and we should be expecting a lot more, not less. Because we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Read the document. It'll change your weekend. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today here on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.